Hi there everyone, Quincy here, um, bringing you the second part of Church as Family. It's a little bit truncated, um, a little bit different to how you might have heard it live, only because we had some technical issues. Um, and so you'll hear me at the start, kind of doing the introduction, and then, um, then you'll hear me here in the King Centre, doing the middle chunk, and then you'll hear me again, uh, as was recorded on the Sunday morning in September 2022. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to take it on. From here, so here we go. Set to do the words, too. So well done, Julia. That was. I mean, he. That it is wonderful. It is wonderful to go from song to song. But I know if you're on Easy Worship and you're like that song's not in the schedule, you panic, don't you? So thank you, Julia. Well done for getting them in there. And <laughs> this should be simpler, right? So yeah, good. <laughs> okay, great. So it's great to gather back together. We are church as family. And um, yeah, I just want to remind you of this. We, we gathered together last uh, Sunday to start the series. And uh, I held this up again. And hopefully you remember this. Uh, this is a puzzle piece from when we talked about transformed lives back in um, the summer. And uh, it's to remind you that you're part of a bigger picture, which is why these slides will have puzzle pieces on. Because if you are one piece, you fit in the big picture. You belong in the big picture. Your identity is in the big picture as is your purpose. And so that's why, as a family, we fit into a big puzzle. And if I was really clever, and if we had done this already, I would have taken a photo of you all and gone online and got a personalized picture made of all of you and held a piece of that up. But instead, I've got um, what I think is Where's Wally at Noah's Ark. So that's what I've got instead. Anyway, so that's it. You're part of the puzzle. And uh, I'm really encouraged this week. Let me tell you why. I watched the Queen's funeral uh, on Monday, and Justin Welby smashed that sermon, did he not? By the power of the Holy Spirit, every phrase, I thought, pointed to Jesus, pointed to Her Majesty's faith, and uh, everybody, millions upon millions of people heard that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So good. So praise God for that. I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged. I went to the Newground prayer days with Kevin, Dale, and Pippa, and uh, lots of others from Newground, just Wednesday, Thursday this week, and um, one of those things happened to, happened to me which you sort of pray for for like 10 years. Uh, you pray that someone in the room that doesn't know you would come over and speak straight into your life and tell you exactly what you need to hear in that moment. And I had that on, the, on Wednesday, and it, had, it has all to do as well as me personally. It has to do with what we're talking about doing uh, as a church, as family as well. So I was encouraged by that. And just last Sunday, I was encouraged because I got asked to go to Edenbridge Church. Um, they're in a different sphere to us, but the same big family of New Frontiers. And a young girl called Sienna, who came to the Christian Union, came to our youth group, came away, I think, to Carity Wood, if I remember rightly, came back again. Well, she got baptized last week in Edenbridge. And uh, I couldn't go and dunk her, as she asked me to do, because um, I was here with you preaching. But I sent our love, and I wanted to encourage you, because you were part of that story she referenced uh, the friends from CU, um, time with us as well uh, at that baptism. So praise God for that. I'm encouraged by that. And I'm encouraged, as I mentioned, that my faithful friend, Matt, is here today, serving us from another part of God's kingdom. He's another part of the broader family that we are part of globally. So there you go. I'm encouraged by lots and lots of things. Yeah. So my faithful friend, Matt, there, uh, I thanked him and then I prayed. And I'm going to pray now before I get into the rest of the talk. Father, I do thank you that we were able to gather together again and worship you and praise you and give you glory. I thank you that we're all together. And I thank you um, for your word, which speaks so clearly to us by your Holy Spirit. And we praise you 
for that. And we ask that you'd speak to us again, even now as we listen to the recording. Amen. Amen. So uh, last time in the first part of Church's Family, um, I told you the story behind the series. And um, and a summary of that is was just about how we're going to trust God to develop us, grow us into a loving, authentic family more and more and more. And uh, we came to a three-word destination um, of, ha- of what that was. And the summary was loving, authentic family. And um, we talked a little bit about how we're going to get there. And essentially the summary of that was we are going to get there we're going to get to being a loving authentic family by being transformed by the gospel we're going to stay gospel centered and um, every one of those words loving authentic and family all point us back to jesus his sacrificial life death and miraculous resurrection and so in that week one we focused a bit on the why behind church's family and uh, touched on the how of church family, how we're going to do it. And today we're focusing a little bit more on the what. And so we're going to answer the question, what does church's family look like for us today? And we're going to start with some principles and then we'll talk a bit more about um, what it's going to look like for us later on. So part one is called All of Us Are in the Father's House. And part two is called Together is a Great Place to Be. And so part one, here we go. All of us are in the Father's house. So it's an amazing truth for us to absorb again. Um, When we gather together on a Sunday morning, we don't just enter into a dance studio at Oxford School. We enter into the Father's house. And we've been talking about coming into God's presence because we're in his house. We're in the Father's house together. And it is amazing. It is wonderful when uh, we were together on this particular Sunday. When I did this sermon, we spent longer in worship because we were enjoying God's presence. And it's fundamentally important to our life alongside God that we continue to do that, Um, that we continue to be in his household on a Sunday morning together, but also to recognise that we are part of God's house as well. We're simultaneously in it and part of it. And um, in the New Testament, the Apostle Peter writes enthusiastically about this in 1 Peter 2, 4 to 5. He said... As you come to him, that's Jesus, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He says we are chosen and precious. You are chosen and precious if your faith is in Jesus Christ. It's not a random lucky dip where God just stuck his hand into, uh, like you would, a barrel at a fate or something and pull out an, a random person or a random number. No, you have, may have come to recognise God as God initially, but he chose you first to reveal the gospel and save you by his grace. It's a wonderful thing. You are a living stone because Jesus has risen from the dead and you now have his spirit alive in you. You are a living part of his household the gathered church is god's living house and just as the components of the house are living the house itself is living and growing and it tends to grow in a couple of ways Uh, one way is when more bricks more stones if you like are gathered in as uh, rosemary shared the other week there are plenty of people in our vicinity potential bricks out there to build into god's house who can be saved through grace by faith And another way it grows is when people like you and I, believers in Jesus, 
grow in our Christ-likeness and our maturity. And, uh, and there are lots of ways that we personally can grow. We're, we're doing an Everyday Supernatural series alongside this, so we would grow in the things of the Spirit. We're continuing in our life groups so that we might grow in relationship with one another and with God. And um, earlier this year in the summer, Hannah was preaching and she challenged us. She said, well, do we pray enough for our own spiritual growth? Prayer and relationship with God are integral to spiritual growth. And um, if you do want to pray more, we've got a week of prayer coming up very soon, starting um, in October. You can join us that and so there are ways for God's household to build and grow and what I want to tell you is that you are a living stone and you're being built in and built up and we are to to do that for one another when we gather on Sunday together we're looking for ways when we come together to build one another up in the spirit it's why we have a time of sung worship where everyone has something to bring whether it's a psalm or a prophecy or a picture or an encouragement or a song or a prayer. Everyone's got something to contribute to build up the body of believers. And so I want to encourage you, um, if you've not dived in on a Sunday morning during that sung worship time and contributed, brought something, um, then then you can do that. I want to encourage you that God's spirit in you can stir you to exalt him and bring him a psalm or uh, one of those other things that I mentioned, and sometimes um, some slightly supernatural stuff breaks out, like a, like a tongue and interpretation, which we've had lately as well. And whether you're four or 84, you have something to bring. God is amazing like that. He can enable you to do things you never thought you'd do in public. He loves to build. He loves to build us up corporately and individually, seeing us become mature, living stones all together. And so God's house, God's household or temple is uh, just one of many, many biblical themes out there, like like one thread in an enormous tapestry of the word of God, the Bible. And we're just going to tug on that thread a little bit more, the temple of God, um, and look at it um, in one story all about Jesus. And uh, we want to learn about him, we want to look to him, and, uh, and in this story we learn how he and his family Um, were all together and they would travel um, once a year to Jerusalem for the Passover festival in Jerusalem. And so um, we're just going to dip into that story now to look at um, all of God's household, God's chosen people in Jesus' day going down to worship. So on the day that we gather for church on Sundays, most of us travel maximum 20 minutes probably to get there. But when Jesus was in his 13th year on earth, he travelled from Nazareth to Jerusalem, about 87 miles, um, joining his biological family and wider family from Nazareth, the wider community, and went all the way down to Jerusalem. And it would have taken him a number of days. And we get a bit of an insight into this annual event, into this moment in Jesus's life. Um, And we're going to read about it now. It's in Luke 2, 41 to 52. It says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. 
When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. Now I really like this glimpse into the family life of Jesus from Luke's Gospel as they go down to the temple because, well, for one thing, from 0 to 12 years old, Jesus has been with his family. He's been listening to them, learning from him, following his parents around. And, and in the tradition, in the Jewish tradition, that study and reverence uh, for, for God's words and for God himself, Yahweh, was essential and and taught to them all the time. And, and so up until this point uh, in their culture, he's been a boy in Jewish eyes from zero to 12. But now as they go off to the temple, he's in his 13th year and he's regarded in that setting as a man, someone who can make their own decisions. And boy, does he make his own decision. Um, having attended that Passover in Jerusalem, celebrating what happened in Exodus and the God's chosen people coming out um, without losing him, they've been there and they've, they've stayed together, I presume. Um, and Jesus' parents um, would have been part of a caravan of people, not a typical caravan like we imagine these days, but a long, long, long line of um, people walking um, from one place to another. And at the end of the festival, they would have been heading back to Nazareth as part of a massive, massive group. So they might not have known where he was all the time, but probably most of the time they were aware that he would be around and travelling with the group. But they go up the road some way, and then they have one of those nightmare moments, which some parents might have experienced before, where one says to the other, so where's Jesus? It's dinner time. And the other one says, oh wait, I thought he was with you. And both then realise, oh no, he's not with either of us. And they start asking around, and they go looking for Jesus for three days because they can't find him. And when they do find him, they find him in the temple. And uh, he's in the only one place, the only place that he could have been within that setting of the temple, which I think is pronounced chel, like that, um, in Hebrew, just outside the gates with the teachers. He's on these kind of set of steps which are just outside the gates. And um, it says this, uh, just referring back to that text we read, it says, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father has been, and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And he's there. It's then, in that moment, that we get this radical insight into the fact that Jesus knew his identity as the son of God. Even at that early age, he knew who he was. And it's from that position in the temple that he would have sat himself um, among these other teachers, that he would have been able to hear and see and smell the sacrifices going in, the lambs and so on, going in for Passover. And by seeing this um, system uh, for the atonement of sins, he would have seen his destiny. He would have seen his future, which would be becoming the ultimate sacrifice for everybody's sin on the cross in place of that temporary animal sacrifice that would have been regularly made 
there, he would have been able to experience it and see it. And so it's significant, not just his position, but the words he say, says as well. He says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Which could also be translated as, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? You see, he knows who he is and he knows why he has come. And it is to do the will of his father, to bring the kingdom in. And these teachers and others who are around him, these adults, begin asking him questions and talking to him. And they're amazed when he shows understanding with his answers, which again indicates that he must have been quite a good conversationalist. And, uh, and what I like um, are just some, some of these things that jumped out of me when reading this passage again. It said it, it, it was evident that Jesus had learned lots from his parents. He'd been with them a lot in that 12 years at his home, at his home synagogue, and he knew a lot about the scriptures. He knew plenty. He'd been steered in the way he should go, um, as per that old proverb from Proverbs 22, verse 6. Steer a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. He'd been shown the way to Jerusalem and around the temple. He knew where it was to be, God's house. He knew what that was all about. And all the family and community travelled together. It's evident there that Jesus is obedient from an early age. He obeys his parents. He goes back with them. Um, and he's also obedient to his earthly, uh, to his heavenly father as well as he describes. And he's secure in who he is and he's happy to engage, even at that early age, with other adults. They're just some of the things that, that jumped out at me. And there's, there's much, much more to the story, of course, there, the passage that we could draw out. But those are just some of the aspects I wanted to bring to our attention as we look at this in the context of church as a family. And so when the Jewish people went to worship, when they went down to Jerusalem, they were all together. They all went, everyone. And when they went, they went together. And because just like Jesus went with all his family to the Father's house, it's, it's actually my belief as well that our church family, from our youngest to our oldest, are being called to come together in this time and remain together when we worship, which brings us to part two, which is entitled, Together is a Great Place to Be. So, we're leaving Jesus there in the New Testament for now and fast-forwarding to the sequel, the book of Acts, which is also written by Luke. And um, just to put this little passage in context, the Church of Christ has been born out of Jesus' death, burial and resurrection and ascension. And just before this little bit of text in the passage um, in Acts 2, the disciples, around 120 of them, are in Jerusalem and they've been set aflame at Pentecost by the Holy Spirit. Peter, the Apostle Peter, has arrived and he's delivered a mega sermon as he's full of the Spirit. And they've seen thousands added to the body of believers there. And then they begin to come together and right at the end of Acts 2, they celebrate their Saviour, Jesus. And, and this is how their fellowship, togetherness, if you like, is summarised in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 45. It says... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
What a description we get there of the early church, committed to the teaching, to fellowship, to communion and to prayer. They saw miracles breaking out and they were together. The word together comes up three times in those five verses. They were together meeting needs, meeting and eating together and with glad and sincere hearts. And it's a wonderful description of the early church and it speaks of people caught up in love and celebration of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, devoted to one another. And it makes me think of our church family, because that is that is what we're aiming at. In many ways, we, we already do lots of these things, and I just want to summarise that as well. But it's what we're aiming for, which is described in that passage. But some of the things we already do, just like they did, are is one of the things is coming together to this place, to the Eden Hall, on a Sunday, we come to worship. And uh, Kevin recently referenced someone called Peter Anderson, who's based in Edinburgh in a church up there. He said, we don't come to church, we come to worship. And that's the way I'd like to explain it to someone so they got the picture. When we come along on a Sunday, we go to worship Jesus every week with our church family together. And the first believers, they met in the temple courts, which is a public setting. And we meet here in a school dance studio and anyone is welcome to come through the doors and worship and experience that with us. Both then and now, the body of believers came together to worship. It also says the first believers broke bread in each other's homes. And again, we do the same thing. We've kind of got our big scale church on a Sunday and then small scale church, if you like, in life groups. That's what we call them. And they're designed for believers. They're designed for those committed to following Jesus. They're that smaller version of a Sunday meeting. And again, we worship, we pray, we study the word. And in these groups, we can be authentic, going through whatever life has thrown at us, whether it's a time for weeping or a time for rejoicing. We can do those things together uh, where appropriate. And it's in these groups, again, that we look to have everything in common as followers of Jesus Christ who who aim to grow, who aim to mature in him. And that's just a couple of examples of things that we already do together. And I'm sure there's even more going on informally, one-to-ones and so on that I'm aware of, which is great. And so in summary, I believe that together is a great place to be. And I have been fully persuaded by God over these last couple of years, and I've sensed faith rising in me and among us, for this, that actually as a family, we too are to remain together for the whole time that we meet. See, I've caught something in the spirit of togetherness from God through prayer, through the scriptures, through seeing things done differently in different places I've come to believe that it's actually something for us to pursue and that it is going to give God glory and it is going to bring us joy. I'm, I'm nowadays I'm excited about it, not anxious. And I, I've spent a long time thinking, praying um, about this shift over um, a period of time. And, and one of the things that's important to remember is that this isn't going to be a cut and thrust thing. It's not going to be really fast. It's going to take time, a bit like the ship described in last week's story, traveling all the way down the side of Africa and up the other side towards the Arabian Gulf. It's going to be a long journey. But on that journey, I genuinely believe God will bless us in our obedience to him in this. But of course, that does mean that we will need to make some practical changes to be together on a Sunday when we come to worship and integrate all our youngest to our oldest in the Sunday morning time. And so I just want to give some details 
um, on how we're going to approach that and how we're going to do church family at worship on Sundays. And uh, here we go. So we're going to take on Sundays together. In a similar way to how Jesus was raised from uh, a very young boy up to age 13, as we read, um, being shown by his earthly parents and his wider community who God is and the importance of worshipping him and how to read his word and how to worship him, well, we've, we've already begun to equip our parents of little ones or polos, who are parents of not to fours, uh, in discipling their children. That was one major conviction that's come through, is that actually this is a really significant role for parents to undertake in discipling their children. And uh, our Polos group have met a couple of times in the past year, and it's just been excellent to build relationships together and talk about how to do church as a family and how to also be considerate and honour the wider church family on Sundays as well, because we want everyone to be involved. There's grace for the whole family to be involved when we're in that Sunday worship setting together. And so there's some things that do specifically affect that group. And so I'm just going to name those now for you. So we're just making moves to soften the sound. The room that we meet in on a Sunday has lots of hard walls and even a hard floor and a hard ceiling. And so we've um, decided to take our, our harder toys that make a bang and crash noise away and replace them with quiet toys. So that's one thing we're going to do. Um, we're going to introduce um, what we've called or what I call a zone to roam for every family of a po every polo family, every polo unit. Um, we've got a couple of naught to fours or whatever. Um, we're going to give them a carpet to, to have that's integrated into the chair. So not all along the back, not all along the front, but integrated into the chairs and again for softness for for encouragement to include them we're going to use these uh, little zones to roam and we're just working on that at the moment and um, one of the reasons that we we've, we've done that is because we have a really high value on the word of god and we want to honor god's word and we want everyone again from our youngest to our oldest to hear the teaching from the bible and so when we have those carpets when we have those little ones in if they do make a little bit of noise, um, us parents and carers, we're going to try and get alongside them and, and whisper to them, look, look, everybody here wants to hear from the word of God. Everybody wants to hear the teaching from the Bible. And so we're going to be really quiet because we want to consider them and put them before ourselves. It, that's the message that we'll be bringing to them from a very early age. And it will teach them to put others before themselves, to even from that young age, sacrifice uh, something of what they might want for, for what others might want and need instead. And so that's one thing we're going to do, soften the sound in those ways and train those young ones um, in those ways. And uh, we're also going to create um, a safe space. Um, we, we had a crash room out there, which was a self-service crash for some time, but it's, it's now becoming a feeding and changing and rest room. Um, but it's important to note that even though that room still exists, um, our heart is for everyone to be in one place, everyone to be all together. But uh, we recognise as well that sometimes everybody needs a safe space. And it's important to, uh, for safety that, that no one under 18 is left out there unsupervised. Um, and that won't be permitted. Um, but we do have that space specifically for, for anyone who might need it. And, uh, and we know, we understand, reality kicks in from time to time. There's going to be the occasional meltdown, accident, tantrum, disappointment, which causes a noise. And frankly, that could apply to children and adults. 
But again, God's grace is sufficient for the whole family. And if that does happen, well, that room is there to be used and, uh, and we wanted to make provision for that. Another safe space we intend on starting is called a burn-off room and that's going to happen before church, um, 8.45 to sort of 10 uh, at the King Centre where there's just time for, particularly in the winter months, for young ones to run around, jump on a beanbag, burn off some energy before parents scoop them up and say, right, let's go to worship with the rest of our church family. It's just another way we recognise it could help um, people prepare for the meeting. Um, now just to comment as well on our 5 to 11s. Um, at the moment they head out to a group with Claire and the team, uh, three out of four Sundays, but again in pursuit of being all together. Over three terms, um, it's our intention to wind that down. Um, it would have been unhelpful, I think, to abruptly shut that down and stop it. Um, plus, we, we really want our 5 to 11s to uh, understand why we're making this change. And we want to leave lots of time to encourage them and integrate them. And uh, I'll speak more about integration at another time. But we also recognise that our not to five, sorry, our 5 to 11s will be impacted the most by this change. Um, lots of them have grown up going to children's work for part of the meeting. And most of them are used to going out and enjoying that time. And Claire's been so great and instrumental uh, in blessing so many young people that way. But we, we want to um, use this period of time where we wind it down to make a top effort to encourage um, those in 5 to 11s at every opportunity, saying it's great that you're in, it's great that you're here. We're so glad you're among us. So do take that opportunity if you know one of our 5 to 11s, 5 to 11s or if you don't know them. Um, and you could also ask their parents to, to introduce you and then encourage them as well if you wanted to. And the significance of adults not in your blood family uh, encouraging you. Um, so I would, I would encourage that. Um, and also, last one, alongside the uh, reducing of children's work on a Sunday, we're going to try and introduce midweek groups. So you might go to life group as an adult. Well, the children, whatever age range they're in, We'll try and make out something in the week for them to go to, which is um, a greater level of teaching and discipleship alongside them uh, as well um, for those lower age groups. And so there's some of the things that are coming up. There's some of the practical adjustments um, that we'll make to facil facilitate all being together. And no doubt we will learn things along the way. Uh, we, will, we will have to review things. And uh, at times it's going to be really great and smooth. And at times it's going to be really great and messy and glorious. <laughs> if I was going to label this series anything else, it would probably be messy and glorious. Because church as family is different. Uh, it's going to be messy and glorious. So that's just another summary of this series for you. Um, and do you know what? I, I'm confident that we will see God glorified in this. just wanted to say that out loud with you. I'm confident we will. And, and we're taking, we are taking a countercultural approach to being together. In our, in our wider culture, you'll probably be aware of this, um, it's nearly always a consumeristic message that says, go, go here or go to there and get what you can get out of it. Take as much as you can. We're kind of taught to go and, and, and consume. But actually, doing church differently, doing it not necessarily exactly this way, but doing it with, a, with this family culture, I believe is a kingdom culture, is a is a different question gets drawn out. So, so you're called to come and worship on a Sunday or in life group all together. 
And, and that speaks a better word than the word we're immersed in Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday. And it provokes this question, what, what can I bring to the meeting to give God glory and worship him today? It provokes this question, how can I bless and support other family members this morning? How can I build up the spiritual household of God? It's those questions it draws out. And as I mentioned last week, it might be harder. It might be the longer way around. It might feel like choppy water. But again, I I said it last week. I I believe we're responding to God in doing this. It provokes those questions. And it, it leaves me in a place of excitement now and encouragement. But I get that there's a lot of that to absorb, which is new for us and different. And so I'm just going to ask my friend Matt to come back. And um, we, we've come to the end, really, of our meeting. Um, you know, we took that extra time in God, and I'm really glad we did. And so I just wanted to give us a little bit of time just for you personally, just to, just to talk to God about what I've said and maybe listen uh, to what he's saying back to you. And then I'll come back, and then I'll pray, and then we'll stop. Okay? So, uh, yeah, let's do that. Matt, if you don't mind. uh... Yeah, great.